Good morning. Glad you're here, and I'm, frankly, I'm glad to be here. Came down, we had a men's summit, men don't retreat, men's summit. And so we had a men's summit uh, with men from nine different churches, uh, and about 200 guys got together for a men's summit, and it was, it was a really good time. It was great to see all the men gathered, and uh, I think God really used it. <clears throat> we're going to talk, we're shifting gears this week, this is the start of a new message series, where we're looking at navigating the tensions that show up, <clears throat> and particularly related to matters of opinion. God's given a tremendous amount of guidance in scriptures for dealing with how we relate to others in the midst of uh, differences of opinion. Uh, we, we have very important things that we need to make judgment calls on. We make those judgment calls. They're typically matters of wisdom. And then it can get awkward if you make this call and I make this call and we start talking about it. There's a clash. So the, the, the Bible gives a lot of guidance on this. Um, and so we're going to look at that in this series, particularly um, how to handle those issues that, you know, the, the Bible shows us the essentials, the things that we really need to believe and hold on to. But these are sort of the non-essentials, the, the periphery matters. So. Uh, we're going to dive in. An interesting dynamic shows up on our social media feeds. Um, issues are highlighted in a way that push us to line up on one side or the other of the issue. Um, this widens the chasm of division between people. Uh, and it's one thing if these matters of opinion are remote comments on Facebook I mean, you, you may take that personally. I've taken some personally. They get to you when you see the memes and all. Uh, but what if they're coming from family members or coworkers or friends or fellow church members and attenders? How, how do we handle this? Many of the issues that crop up and are being commented on or displayed on Social media is they're they're important matters. They're they're judgment calls that we need to make, which is why we get so riled up about it. That's <laughs> why it it can just ignite on the scene. Um, some of these matters are school schooling for the kids. Do I send my kids to public school to private school? Do I educate them at home? How do I handle that? Here's an anti-homeschool post, um, and then here's an anti-public school comment thread where uh, somebody called homeschooling a joke, and then somebody else is responding to it. <laughs> that kind of thing happens. Here's, here's the thing. We, we love our kids, and all of the parents I know want the best for their kids, some have kids in public school, some have kids in private school, some are homeschooling. Dialogue, though, easily ignites and goes up in flames 
on these issues because maybe you put a lot of effort into deciding, making the judgment call. Maybe, <clears throat> maybe uh, you just instinctively know how important it is and you've made this decision and insecurity or doubt, you know, self-doubt just, it just, it makes you nervous and you get worked up and woof, goes out there. Political issues certainly divide, especially in the current environment. Here's a post comparing Trump and Obama. Not, not, <clears throat> not really difficult to see the bias there. Obama's got the babies, they're sleeping. Trump's crying himself. And uh, the babies are crying as well. Um, here's one against socialism. Socialism, you know, works. It's sarcastic comment. Uh, people are loading on, you know, make, turning their trucks into boats to get out of the countries that are socialist. The, these, there are good people on both sides of many of these issues. And there are also people, people who are, are using the opportunity to drive their agenda. So they're, they're pushing their agenda through all the things that show up. Um, another issue that can divide us is our preference on diet. Here's a pro-vegan meme. Man who eat meat because ancestors eat meat should log out of Facebook and live in a cave with no Wi-Fi. That's offensive to, you know, if you're a meat eater, that really offends you. You know, you're like, you're calling me a caveman? Here's one uh, that a meat eater posted. Uh, it's a butcher shop sign that reads, Dear vegans, I've killed this cow because it was eating your food. You're welcome. <laughs> now, that that really is, that really is offensive. I mean, if you're a vegan and you're, you're, you've decided to be a vegan out of conviction, that, that offends you. I mean, come on. This kind of thing fires people up. We get fired up over this. A divide can be created in the way that you parent, which was, you know, for me, that was a breeding ground of insecurity because, you know, you, you, I remember holding, you know, my, first child and second child both and you're like wow I'm totally responsible for this person <laughs> and so you've got so much invested from the get-go that wow I mean these issues we know they're important here's a post in favor favor of all all natural parenting it's protest against vaccines baby formula junk food perverted tv disney video games abandoned abandonment indoctrination drugs on the other side, here's a pro-vaccination theme, uh, theme, meme. The idea is if you aren't protecting your ch- children, you know, you just aren't protecting your kids. And, you know, there's opinions on both sides of these issues. They show up on social media all the time. These are important judgment calls that we make. Schooling for our kids, electing officials and their behavior elected officials, how, how you're going to approach your diet and medical decisions for kids. But you aren't going to find any specific rules in the Bible on these things. You shall homeschool your kids. Or you shall not vaccinate your children. Or 
There isn't a code that you can crack in the Bible when the election's coming up to show us who to vote for. There's no code there. People invent them, <laughs> but they aren't there. God gives wiggle room on these matters. It's, he, <clears throat> he gives us the responsibility to make a decision, to make a judgment call based on the wisdom that we have in that moment, at that time. What the Bible says can be summed up in this, this statement. Have the grace to give some space. Have the grace to give wiggle room to people. These are important matters. And when you have made a call in one area and another person's that you really love and care for has made a call in another area, um, pray for them if you think it's an unwise decision, but give them space. There's no need to campaign for your way. <clears throat> in this series, we're going to discover the guidance the Bible has for navigating the awkward tension that arises when your opinion and my opinion differ. So I have two main goals in walking through this series. First of all, to show how to grow roots so we aren't defensive, we aren't as defensive about our choice in these matters since they're not black and white, since they are judgment calls, uh, but they're various colors of gray. Um, God, God doesn't tell me what you should do in these things. He doesn't tell you what I should do. I need to give you the space to make your own call. My second goal is to show the need to give space to others uh, to make up their own mind on these things. That's, that's what God does. That's what he's done. And Christ followers are, man, uh, are commanded to love like he loves us. Uh, the message today is focused on how to find the inner strength when you need to withstand the, the winds of public and personal opinion that are opposite of yours. You, you've made a decision. You've made a judgment call. And uh, how, how, do I, how do I stand strong in that call? Or how do I move forward on it? Uh, if we're going to re- respond well to the winds of public and personal opinion, that we face constantly, we need to do so. We need to hold on to grace, the grace of God. Uh, we need to grow deep roots in our relationship, our friendship with Jesus Christ. And um, as we do that, we, we won't be uprooted by what's going on around us. Without roots, we bend with the wind. We get bent out of shape. We snap. Because insecurity and self-doubt eat us up. Uh, there's another extreme, uh, opposite of at the other end of the spectrum than insecurity and self-doubt. We can be overconfident. When we begin to walk with Jesus, he begins to change us from the inside out. And he gives us a vantage point that helps us navigate life. And it's easy to make a judgment call based on the knowledge we've gained in the moment 
and then get into pride and fall prey to self-righteousness. That doesn't please God. We're, we're going to dig into a passage now that helps us deal with all of this. And it's found in the book of Colossians. It was written by the Apostle Paul. Paul was sent by the church to, at Antioch to plant churches throughout the Roman Empire. Uh, Colossians was a church started by one of Paul's friends named Epaphras. Uh, the Colossians church, the Colossae, the church at Colossae. Epaphras came to Christ in Ephesus, which was a church that Paul started. And then he was trained by Paul. He grew in, in Christ under Paul. And then he went out and started a church in his hometown of uh, Colossae. And um, here's a picture of, this is modern-day Turkey, where uh, Ephesus and Colossae, this is about 100 miles east of Ephesus, Colossae was, where the church that Paul started. This, I know how Paul feels, because we're going to get into how concerned he became when Epaphras gave him some news one time when he was in prison in Rome. But I understand this is what's happened at, at Church in the Valley. We've, we've added a campus in Alhambra. We started a congregation in Riverside. We've launched a church in, uh, Ridge, in uh, Fontana. And I, 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 love the, I love these guys, these guys that went out and the churches they're leading. I'm still connected to them. I'm involved with them. And so I, I get what Paul's feeling and thinking. I know how he feels here. And Epaphras visited Paul while he was in prison in Rome and delivered some very disturbing news. Um, Paul was so disturbed that he wrote a letter to correct some wrong ideas that were circulating through the Colossian church. It was a long letter. It wasn't a tweet or a text. It was a longer letter. You can't deal with life through tweets and texts. That's for sure. But the things they dealt with in the first century related to the faith are, are the same kind of things we deal with today because we're human beings just like they were and we have these, these knee-jerk reflexes in different ways. A constant truth throughout the New Testament that we're going to uncover in the passage we're going to read is that faith in Jesus Christ is all you need to receive eternal life. And it's all you need to grow in your faith and live a life that pleases him. Now, it is a certain kind of faith. It's a faith that leads to obedience, but you don't obey to earn God's acceptance. What was happening in the church at Colossae is that was so disturbing to Paul is they, they were adding rules and regulations to faith in Christ to find acceptance with God. The Bible makes it clear it's Jesus only, not Jesus plus. It's not Jesus plus anything else. We get confused on this when the matters are important. We, we humans have a bent to create formulas and live by those formulas to earn favor with God by following certain rules and regulations and 
what this does is it keeps things external. If you can just tell, tell me the five things I need to do to please God. Just, just give them to me. Tell me. What that does is it keeps our, our relationship to God external. God wants our heart. He wants, he wants to get to our innermost being. To add anything as a mandatory rule to gain, earn, or try to secure your relationship with God is not the Jesus way. So here's what Paul says in Colossians 2, 6, and 7. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. The way forward in your walk with Christ is to ground yourself in the relationship to him, in your relationship to him. You finish the way you started. You root yourself in him and he builds you up. We walk through life with Jesus the same way we received him, by faith. It's a faith, again, that leads to obedience. But it's faith based on the grace that he's given us. We do it with thanksgiving. We're so grateful for what God's done in us and through us. If, if we ever start trusting our ability to obey, we're on shaky ground. If we ever start trusting in our track record of obedience, hmm, that's scary. A praise song I've been listening to right lately is, uh, has a line in it, I am lightning, you are the ground. What it's saying is, Jesus is like the ground that keeps me from just getting fried by the electricity that goes on. From cooking myself in a swirl of opinions. <laughs> Because, ah, it's easy to, to swirl. It is. Colossians 2, 8, 9 goes on to say, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy or, uh, and empty deceit. According to human tradition, according to the element, elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. This is the heart of how we stay strong in the swirl of opinions that are going around that we swim through every day. Often the winds of opinion in the world have their basis in human traditions and wisdom. And it's not that it's, it's all bad. There are things we can learn from. There is human wisdom that's good stuff. But it's not the basis of my relationship to you and our fellowship, and it's not something to build your faith on. This is, this is what he's saying here. Um, these come out, these opinions show up in social media, the office at work, the dinner table with immediate or extended family. You know, Thanksgiving dinners can be electric. <laughs> and even in church. Sometimes we hide our opinions because we're not quite sure how they're going to be received. We, we need to be careful 
in the midst of all this, to grow deep roots into our personal friendship with Jesus Christ that helps us hold up in the wind, that helps us navigate. So Paul goes on to tell the Colossians, center your life on substance, not shadow. Paul wants to make sure the Colossians don't forget the substance. So he walks through the core message of Christianity again, and he often does this. This is how he approaches his letters. Most He wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament, and they were letters that he was writing to churches he had started to help them figure out uh, how, what, it's, what it takes to follow Christ and how to do that and to correct wrong teaching and wrong ideas. And they're incredibly instructive for us. They were inspired by God to instruct us. And he, he goes back over. Often he'll, he'll start with the core message of Christianity. And here it is in Colossians 2, 13 and 14. And you who were dead in your trespasses, trespasses and circumcision of the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. So he's rehearsing the core message, and here it is. All of us were dead in trespasses because of our sin. We were cut off from knowing God. To be spiritually dead means you're cut off from knowing God. A dead person can't do anything to become alive. But God made us alive and forgave us through Jesus' death on the cross. And it says here, he canceled the record of debt that stood against us by nailing it to the cross. What they would do on the crosses of criminals is they would put a record of their wrongs, the the crimes that they had committed. They would nail it to the cross so everybody could see and learn from why they were being crucified. What what we see here is he, he took your record of sin, my record of sin, and it was nailed spiritually to the cross. That's what Jesus did. That's the only way we can have life, is by what he did for us on the cross. He took my record of debt on himself. What Jesus has done for us on the cross is enough for salvation. We can't add anything to it. It's Jesus alone, not Jesus plus. This is how we gain life in eternity with God. This is the reminder we need to hold on and not get tossed around by the winds of opinion. Paul goes on to give some specifics uh, to help us keep our center of gravity. First of all, he says, don't put your faith in formulas. Colossians 2 says, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink. Hey, that's what we were just talking about. Questions of food and drink. Or with regard to festival or a new moon or a Sabbath, 
These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. He is the substance. You can ground yourself in him. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, uh, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by a situous mind. Verse 16 is a reference to Jewish rituals, laws, and traditions. They have a role in God's plan. Um, But once Christ came and fulfilled the law in himself, the purpose of those rules and regulations became more clear. They, they weren't rungs on the ladder to earn favor with God. They, they were actually more like an x-ray to show us why we need Jesus. We have a record of debt. We have sins that we have committed, and we, they have caused us to be cut off from knowing God And we need what Jesus did on the cross to earn favor with him. People can go to one extreme or other in deciding what the most spiritual thing to do is. There are laws, there's legalism, there's something in at least my heart that's drawn, hey, just tell me what to do. Tell me the five things I need to do, and I'll do them if I could find help from God. uh, The other extreme is experience, and so... That's what Colossians were getting into as well. He mentions mystical practices like the worship of angels or uh, other special practices. They're warned against here. The church was dabbling in a dangerous area. They were getting off-center. They were centering on the shadow, not the substance of Jesus Christ. And so he's trying to pull them back. Spiritually, all these other things have no nutritional value. They don't. They don't help. They don't strengthen us in our faith. The message is clear. Don't add anything to the faith. Don't, don't take any of these shadows and try to make them the substance of your faith. It, you know, you can't hug a shadow anyway. I, I've actually never tried. You might be, that might help build your confidence in me. But I've never tried to hug a shadow. It's very easy to add things to the faith to be right with God. Decisions we make, what we choose to eat, how our kids are educated, which political party you belong to. It's easy to want to be in a group where everybody agrees on these things. We need to give people the space to make up their own minds in these areas that aren't essential to the faith. There are essentials. We're going to look at some of those next week. But we need to give people space. Have the grace to give space. The Lord does. He gives you the space. Now, the judgment call you make might cause some problems. And so they're matters of wisdom. They're important. I'm not saying the the decisions we make aren't important. But what I am saying is we need to anchor our hope in Christ. Paul goes on to say this. He says, don't get off track. The problem is that the Colossians were not holding fast to the head, 
from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that's from God. If we hold fast to the head, referring to Christ, we will grow with a growth from God. He's the key to making me strong. He's the key to, I, that, that allows me to grow, grow roots down into him. If we include him, he'll walk through these choices with us. When, when we're searching out the facts and trying to decide on these matters, he'll guide us. One thing, what we need to do is we need to go before God, ask for wisdom, and before God, make the best decision we can in the moment on these matters. This is how we grow deep convictions. We go to God. We ask for help. We get into the scripture. He'll guide us. This is how we grow deep convictions that become roots deep in the soil of a genuine faith. This is where I find strength in him. It's, it's the way I avoid being uprooted by the winds of opinion. Watch this video of a tree. In Hurricane Matthew. There you go. That's a picture of just getting stirred up, not having your own convictions, not making judgment calls yourself, not deciding on your own. That's what happens. You just get. Pulled up by the roots. That was a huge tree. I grow strong in the face of opinion by making decisions with a heart to please God and holding on to Him, not formulas, not making my decisions a formula for pleasing God or by diving into rules or having a certain experience. God will help us make the judgment calls, if we seek his help and ask for his wisdom. And he will be the stabilizer if we ask him to stabilize us. Uh, When we're facing highly flammable conversations, awkward moments, if you anchor your security in him, he'll he'll provide a a lot of strength. One thing I've learned is... To trust Jesus, not my ability to make these judgment calls. Um, to hold on to him. That's what Paul was saying. You, you need to hold on to him. You're not holding on to him. You need to hold on to Jesus. Um, not the judgment calls we've made. As I walk with Jesus through the years, he changes my opinions. <laughs> he's He's... You know, things I thought in my 20s, I've got 30 years now, and I've seen the outcome of some of the, some of the choices that are made. Um, and I've learned what he knows, what God knows, is much more important than my opinion, so I need to surrender my opinions to him at times when I've realized, oh, that was off. What was I thinking? What's going on there? So 
I go before him in these matters of opinion, and I ask for his help. I make a judgment call, and I must refuse to trust in my own wisdom. Because we have a navigator, Jesus Christ. We hold on to him. If we trust him, he'll steer the ship. And if we go to his guidebook, then he will guide us. So finally, we need to focus on real wisdom, not appearances. Colossians 2 says, If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why? As if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom, But here's what they do. They promote self-made religion and asceticism and severity of the body, and they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. They have no value. No nourishment spiritually comes from these things. Real wisdom grows as we get into the Bible. The the fascinating thing for me about getting into Scripture is it, it just shows me what's most important. In situations, it, it, it gives me my bearings. God uses it to navigate, to help me navigate life. We don't need the appearance of wisdom. We need the real thing. And real wisdom grows out of scripture. It's in there and God will use it. So, Often when we're deciding how to raise kids or developing a political opinion or choosing a dietary practice, the appearance of wisdom is what matters most to us because we care what other people think. We're in the swirl of opinions, and we're pulled one way or the other. And sometimes we make a decision, a judgment call, because the person I care about most is making this call. And we've got to guard against that. We care too much about what others think, so it's easy to swirl in the tornado of opinion. I want to encourage you, grow roots into the Word of God, the Bible, and allow Him to strengthen you. God strengthens us. It fortifies us. It strengthens our faith. And you know, ask Him to help you as you make judgment calls. On these matters. Psalm 19.7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. We need real wisdom. We don't need the appearance of wisdom. We need the real thing. It's found in Scripture. Real wisdom develops as we get into God's Word, ask Jesus to guide us, to show us the truth. He will be your navigator if you let him... Dear your life. I'd like to wrap up the message by suggesting that you take one or more next steps. Would you consider taking a next step this week? First one would be to memorize the verse I just read, Psalm 19.7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Um, another step we could take is ask God for wisdom in deciding... There may be an issue, might be something I've mentioned, might be another issue, 
and you're sorting, you're thinking it through, you're praying it through, um, you need God's wisdom on it. Ask God to help you with that. Um, and then have the grace to give space to, um, you're not going to hand in the listening guide, so we won't be reading the names. It's, it's yours to keep. But there may be somebody that you're frustrated with. There's a lot of tension. And you realize, I need to give space to them. And then, as Thad mentioned earlier, Easter's coming up. And there, there may be somebody on your heart and mind that you'd like to invite to Easter here at Church in the Valley. Um, there's a little tiny business card-sized card in um, the, the program. And I want to encourage you to write one to three names, and you can use other space if you like, if you have more people that you'd like to invite. But this is a time when people are really open to investigating Jesus Christ. And um, so write the names down of people that you'd like to invite uh, to Easter. And then, if you would, write in the uh, comment section of the, on the back of the the connection card the names of the people as well. We'd, we'd like to pray with you uh, for your friends and family that you'd like to invite to Easter. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your goodness, your kindness. Thank you for the grace that you pour into us. And just the, the way you lead us through life. Um, it is it's so great to see the truth and to realize um, that you've poured out grace to us and we need to channel that grace to others, Lord. I pray that you'd help us to do that. I pray that you'd help us to have the strength to um, step out and do what you've laid on our hearts to do, the next steps that you've asked us to take. Lord, we ask for this help in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.